today. Chicago City Life Center. They could hear me. I probably don't need a mic. Good morning. Thanks, Pastor Mark, for um, all that you've been doing and making me feel welcome this morning. Um, some of you may remember me. I was here probably in 2019, around December. Um, and um, I just want to thank you guys for your faithfulness. Um, because of your giving, if you come to Chicago City Life Center, at the front of our church has been completely transformed. It looks brand new, and that's because of you guys. So I wanted to thank you guys for that, just in case. And for those of you who's new, I'm just your cousin, Charlie. All right, so when you see me out in the lobby, you can just come up to me and say, hey, Cousin Charlie, it's, it, that was a good word. Even if you don't think it's a good word, I still, I still receive it. I still accept it, amen? So I just want to thank God for your pastor as well. Pastor Sid, I spoke to him a couple of times. Um, pastors have been, when I'm coming to preach, they usually go on vacation. So they're either crazy or they're people of faith or they trust me. So I'm just going to believe that Pastor is all three. He's a crazy man, full of faith, and he trusts me. Amen? So today I just want to share a word with you. And um, even with this 24-7 discipleship, can, can I just let you know that I believe that God sent me here for such a time as this. Um, why would I say such a thing? Because discipleship for me at our church is no longer just an event or a definition. When my wife and I have been discipling individuals one-on-one, I've been going at it for the last three months. My wife has been going at it for the last four months. And what we realized during the pandemic was that folks who we thought was grounded in the Word of God became very fearful and backed down. That I recognized that some of the folks who we thought we were discipling and we thought that they was firm and they, they knew who they were in Jesus Christ. Some of them even lost their faith. That when tragedies began to happen and folks lost their jobs and loved ones began to pass away, that people began to question, is God real? And as a pastor, I had to take a step back. And instead of judging the people, began to say, where have we failed in this discipleship process? So this 24-7 discipleship, I believe, is, 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 is almost prophetic. That, that's going across the church. Because it's not just this church that's saying that we need a stronger discipleship tool and disciples out there, but other churches are saying we need disciples. Today you're going to hear me interchangeably say, Discipleship and discipleship all means the same thing. Because I believe a disciple is not one who just comes and learns things, but disciples are ones who multiply themselves. They duplicate themselves. So I pray even as the pastor, Pastor Sid, goes through that you guys would come out and be willing to, to learn. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Simple message, nothing complicated. I think sometimes in the church we make this thing real complicated. But before I go on with my message, because I'm already jumping into my word, but I'm getting a little excited about this. But I'm telling you, we are in a time right now in our culture, in our society, in our homes, at our workplace, in our neighborhood, that folks need to see disciples of Jesus Christ. See, a disciple of Jesus Christ is not just one who goes to church on Sunday, but is one who lives this faith 24 7. 
that our children, I'm telling you, I have two boys, Joshua, Josiah. I have a 20-year-old and an 8-year-old. My boys was like, why are you going so hard? Why do you have so much rules? Why can't we live like everybody else? Because we're not like everybody else. The Bible says that you are holy. Because I am holy. God said you are set apart. We are not supposed to look like everybody, talk like everybody, be like everybody. We are supposed to be different. And as teenagers growing up, they always struggle because they want to do the things that their friends is doing. But discipleship is a, is a lifestyle. That this discipleship process has a cost. And folks in this society need to see, regardless of the cost, that we're still willing to follow Jesus Christ. Regardless if I lose my job, Jesus is still king. Regardless if someone who loves, who I love passes away, Jesus is still king. And that's what society needs to see today. They don't need seeing someone praising Jesus on this side when things is great. And then when things is bad on this side, we don't know God exists. But they need to see individuals that go into a press hard and go after hard regardless. And can I tell you that this discipleship process is a process? There's a quote that I heard a long time ago. It says that the conversion of a sinner is a miraculous moment. But the manufacturing of a sinner is a process of a life. See, when you get saved, you're not going to get it, have everything. You're not going to know everything. Your faith is not going to be out the roof. You're not. It's a process as we continue to grow with God. And I believe that sometimes we make this process a little hard. We make it confusing. We make people think that they're supposed to have all the answers when they get saved. You know, I still don't have all the answers. And I still tell people, hey, let me go look that up for you because I don't know. But it's a process, and as we continue to go through this process, we will continue to learn and continue to grow. Sometimes we even make this discipleship process very uncomfortable. My spiritual father, who passed away, I remember when I first got saved, he told me that I can't do certain things. I just want you to know that's very uncomfortable. He started telling me, Charles, you can't listen to that type of music. You can't dress that type of way. You can't speak like that. And what he was doing, it wasn't what he was saying was wrong. But what I realized as I continue to walk on this journey is that sometimes we try to clean the person up on the outside before the Holy Spirit gets a chance to clean them up on the inside. And in this discipleship process, it's the Holy Spirit that's doing the work. It's the sanctification process that's doing the work. I could look good on the outside, but if I'm no good in the inside, it don't matter to God. See, the Holy Spirit wants to clean us up in the inside, and believe me, when he starts doing the work in the inside, the outside automatically changes. So sometimes we make this discipleship process unattractive. Listen, Jesus said this in Matthew 11, 28, 30. This is not my main text. I need to start reading that. I need to start I'm just deciding. But in Matthew 11, 28, 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is very, very attractive. Jesus said, come, I'm inviting you into this relationship with me. He said, take my yoke. If you don't know what a yoke is, it's what they would put oxen together. Two oxen, one head here, the other oxen here. And Jesus said, take this yoke upon you. In life, Jesus wants to go with you on this journey. And then Jesus said, I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of us want to live a Christian life like that? That we're not carrying all the burden all by ourselves, but that we have someone who we're carrying the burden with. 24 discipleship is what this world truly needs. And I know this, that this is what your pastor's, your pastor's desire, every pastor desires this. But what I truly believe is that this is what the Lord desires more than anything else. Today I want to share a video with you of someone who we met at outreach. And because she had an encounter, with some disciples of Christ who was able to lead her to the Lord and begin to see the change in her life. So if you're able, could you play that video of Miss Rose? And then I want to introduce you to them after I'm through sharing with them. My name is Rosalie Anderson. I'm from the city of Chicago. When I was young, my mom didn't want me, so they put me in a home, in a foster home, and I was in a home for like, I got 11 years old. And in out of those homes, I was traumatized. My mom, I guess she had, she had gotten married, and she finally got me out the home at the age of 11. At the age of 16, you know, I had a baby. You know, my mom had took the baby from me at first. And then I used to eat when I got me drinking, alcoholic and stuff. She used to bring the baby to the lot and just leave my little baby there. So that made me get myself together. That grows, your child can go through this. You know, you got. I had to think about what I had been through, and but see, I didn't know. I thought drinking and partying was the thing to do, but you know, being by myself, where there's no help there, you know, there's no love there. When you don't feel love, you know, what I'm saying it's just, it's just so much. It's just a lot, and it's just hard. So after that, I had been always known about God, but I've never sat down and really paid attention to how good He really is to me. You know, until until this age now, now I'm just looking, trying to do better for myself, trying to do better for my grandkids. My pastor, he let me start working for the church first, doing the, doing maintenance and stuff. So then his wife, Miss Casey, um. You want to try to do daycare out? I'm like, sure. So she let me try one day. And I was like, oh, look at the little babies, you know, and I enjoyed that. And then she, she said, Miss Rose, you have to get your uh, high school diploma, your GED or something. So I, she said, I'm going to help you find a school. 
So I was like, that's okay, Miss Kay, because it's a school right across the street from my house then. So I went on in there and I signed up. I said, I said, Miss Kay, I hang up with a bitch. She said, yes, you are. She said, yes, you are. She said, you're going, uh, we're all going to help you. We're going to help you. You got plenty of support, Miss Harris. So I went on, I signed up. They gave me my books and stuff. And I brought it to work with me. They give me time out what they do. They helped me, but I didn't know how to spell or whatever. And I got that's how I got my high school diploma because I wanted I want to work for the daycare. But I couldn't do it without my high school diploma. I was just so happy. I put it all on Facebook. Like, I got my high school diploma, look at me. They were, and you know, everybody was proud of me. I was proud of myself basically though, you know what I'm saying? I'm proud because I did it. With everybody's help. Discipleship is not just a church thing. That Jesus Christ said that I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That this discipleship thing is supposed to touch every aspect of life. That God wasn't just concerned that Miss Rose would get saved at church and then go back home, but that God wanted to do something more in the life of Miss Rose that. He wanted her to experience the abundant life. And Ms. Rose is still there with us. I think she's one of my greatest disciples. She still does the maintenance. She works in the preschool. But you know what Ms. Rose does? She brings other people in from the outside to help her and teach them how to work as well. See, discipleship is not a passive job. It's not just a missionary's job. Being a disciple of Christ is everyone's job. So I have another friend. I'm a hands-on guy. I like showing videos. I think this thing, Glenn, will you come up here real quick? Come on, give it up for Mr. Glenn. <laughs> he doesn't know what I'm about to say because I didn't tell him. I just told him I'm coming up. Hey, stand there. There's a phrase that's going around that says to give people their flowers. You ever heard that before? To give people their flowers now. And what that means is that we tend to give people flowers when they die, right? And um, the phrase is, let's give people flowers now while they're alive, um, and let's talk about them a little bit. I'm going to embarrass him a little bit. Um, Glenn Williams, he's not, a, he's not a pastor, but he's been at our church since 1991. He doesn't hold any credentials with the Assembly of God or any type of other denomination. But if you come to our community... Most of the guys who grew up in the community call him Pastor Glenn. The reason why they call him Pastor Glenn because he is a disciple maker. He is a disciple of Christ. And what he realized is that this call of discipleship is not just for me to gain information, but to also share this information with those who are around us. Now, Glenn has his own business, eating and AC with William Glenn. Williams, Williamson, Williamson. And he has his own business. And what Glenn does is he takes these guys from the community. He takes guys from Teen Challenge who's coming out. He takes guys who've been incarcerated and those who was in jail and say, hey, listen, when you get out, I got a job for you. I got an opportunity for you. And he teaches them at the lower state, hey, you just may be laboring. Picking up the stuff, you're bringing the tools, you're doing whatever I'm telling you to do. 
a disciple. A disciple is someone who's willing to follow. A disciple is one who's willing to learn. A disciple is one who's willing to apply the truth that someone is teaching them and apply it to their life and to their life. I thank God for men like Jen Glenn because he has taken the information of this gospel and he's making it alive in his life. See, discipleship is not just for us to be disciples, but it's always about multiplication. The church is not supposed to be a place of addiction. The church is always supposed to be a place of multiplication. Why? Because disciples make disciples. I'm going to that my back. In the book of Acts, I want to share with you some disciples. So if you have your Bible, or maybe you don't have it, it's the Sky Bible. I heard a pastor say that I'm, I'm only going to share that once. After that, I'm, I coined this terminology. But in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 and 47, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being so Father, I just pray today that you would take these natural words and that you would make them supernatural. Lord God, we are living in the last day. And we need folks to be saved. You said that you have come to seek and to save that which is lost. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that that would, that would be our heart. That would be our desire, Lord God, to seek and to save those who are lost. So, Lord, I pray today that you will give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart that would obey you. I thank you, Lord God, and I praise you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here's my short definition of a disciple. I believe a disciple has to be one who's willing to learn. A disciple is one who intentionally follows if you read throughout the scriptures and Jesus was calling his disciples, all he said to them was, come and follow me. He didn't DM them all the time. He didn't search for them. He, he just went out and he invited them to be a part of a process. So Jesus said, come and follow me. So a disciple is one who intentionally follows someone. In Chicago, there's a gang called Gangster Disciples. They even understand the discipleship-making process. That they put it in their name. That they're making little gangsters. We need to make Christians. All right. Okay. 
disciple is one who's willing to learn. I work with Moody Bible Institute. I have interns that come and say at our church, we have a college ministry. And you know, the hardest thing is that people say, I want to be your intern, Pastor Moody. And then they don't want to learn. They want to tell me all this stuff. I've been doing this for 20 years. You haven't even been alive for 20 years. And you have more to tell me than I have to tell you. This is going to be a long internship. Very long. And then a disciple is one who has to make the decision to apply the truth that they're receiving. See, as a missionary, right, my wife and I, we're missionaries, U.S. nationally appointed missionaries to Chicago. But this call to the mission field is it's more than just Chicago. I've been saying this since 2012. You could ask Glenn. That the Lord called us to go to the darkest areas, to live among the people, to plant churches, to reach people for Jesus Christ, to disciple them, to train them up so that they could take over the church, run the church, and that the desire would be that the church would be self-sustaining, self-governing, and self-propagating. I've been saying this forever. Why? Because this is the call of the church. It's not just overseas, but this is what we're supposed to be called doing right here in the U.S. So my wife and I, we're out there and we're raising up people to basically take our jobs. So that we could go to another dark area and do it all over again. The reality is this, that this is not the call for church planting. This is not just the call for for pastors, this is a call for everyone. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, we should all know this verse 19 and 28. Jesus said, therefore, chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In the early church that we read in the book of Acts, we see that the Bible, in the Bible, that they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings. Did you, did you get that? They sat down and they listened to what the apostles was teaching. When your pastor comes up here, I'm telling you, I know he's spending up hours prepping this message. When you hear people preach, they prepping time. But the Bible says that these individuals, they devoted themselves, that they came with the intentions of hearing and learning something new to apply to the lives that they're living. I could see them sitting down and listening to the lessons as the apostles taught them. They probably spoke about the cost of discipleship. You know, this disciple, Jesus even said it. Listen, before you follow me, count the cost. Count the cost. Within the Bible, these gentlemen left everything. They left everything. Jesus said, come follow me. You know, they left their business. They left their family to go spend time with Jesus on the road and, and learn. They, it cost them something. This discipleship process, there is 
a cross. I believe they would have taught them the cross of God named Jesus. Probably talked about how Jesus surrendered his life. He laid it all down for us to do the will of his Father. They probably spoke about forgiving those who hurt them. They probably shared with them about the miracles that Jesus performed. They probably even shared about the night that Jesus was crucified. That the night that he was betrayed. And then I could see them as they talk about the crucifixion. They also speak about the resurrection. And get them excited that Jesus is not dead, but he's alive. But I could see them saying, but you know what? When Christ was crucified, we were confused. We was afraid. We didn't know what was going on. That in this journey, there's going to be things that's going to happen in life that we don't quite understand. I can see them beginning to share this life of following Christ. That this thing is a journey. In Romans chapter 10, verses 13. It reads, for everyone who calls on the, the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on, on, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one who they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those Folks need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Folks need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But someone has to bring it. Who's bringing the word of Jesus Christ? As a disciple, we have to take this That when you come to church, I didn't grow up in church. Anybody didn't grow up in church? You didn't grow up in church? Didn't grow up in church? I didn't grow up in church. I got saved at the age of 19. I didn't even believe in God before I got saved. I had these good old Christian evangelists that would try to come to me and share the good news with me. And they would talk to me about God. And they said, you know who God is? And I remember my wife would tell you, I would look at them and say, you're looking at him. I was a hard man, did not believe in God. And the reality is, I didn't believe in God because most of the people in my life who said that they believed in God lived like me. And what I recognize about God is that he is, he is good. I heard some things about God. He was good. And I know I wasn't good. And those who believed in me, who was with me, who said they believed, they weren't good. And I just came to a conclusion that there must not be a God. And one night, on the seventh floor of Swiss Family, in Stanford, Connecticut, as a security guard, no altar call, no pastor, a simple Bible study, read a 
simple Bible fact that shares about the love of God and how he sent his son to die on the cross for a wretch like me. And that night I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And that night when I went and got saved, I called my girlfriend, who's my wife now. I said, I got to go to church because I need to learn more about this God. And every Sunday that I would go to church, I was going with an anticipation to learn more. But I didn't just go on Sunday. I was one of those guys that really got saved. I went to church on Wednesday. I was saved, saved. Saved, saved, saved. I went to church on Fridays. I went to church on Sunday because I needed to learn about this kingdom that I knew nothing of. But I needed somebody to walk me through the process. But I had to posture myself to learn. We have to take this posture to learn. There's so much more. There's a song called Desperate People. And in part of the song it says, there has to be more than this. He's talking about the Christian walk in that song. And he's saying that there gotta be more than this. And I don't know about you, but have you ever gotten to a place where you say, you know, this Christian walk is not really fulfilling. And that there has to be more than this. I read about the miracles. I read about the signs and wonders. But what's going on with this? There has to be more. And I'm telling you, we have to take a position of posture. There's no time to blame pastors and the worship team and, and all the foolishness that goes on in the church. We have to posture ourselves to learn so that we can be a disciple of the Lord. The next thing that we have to learn is applying what we read every day. What we're witnessing in the book of Acts is what the gospel does. The power of the word. The disciples taught the word and the people believed it. I realize something that people know the word, but they don't believe it. They read the word, they memorize the word, but they don't believe it. They don't believe that God is able to do what he says in his word. We have to begin to practice and apply the truth of the gospel. I'm a wit- living witness of this, all right? I don't know when I was typing this up. I was like, this, this may be somebody in church. This is October. My wife and I, we're going to be celebrating. Don't clap for me, clap for her. Woo-wee! Charles Moody ain't easy. But in the beginning of our marriage, the, the few years, man, those few years felt like an eternity. See, this is the stuff we don't like to talk about in church sometimes, but I'm going to keep it real with you. I'm a Christian, and in the beginning, the few first few years of our marriage, I want to say the first seven years of our marriage was rough. Real rough. We was trying to figure out a way, how could we get out of this thing without getting divorced? Now, my wife would tell you right now, she would say, I don't believe in divorce, but I do in marriage. And in the beginning of our marriage, it was 
began to study the word of God. The word began to change my habits. You ever hear people say marriage is 50-50? That's a lie from the pits of hell. It's not true. You don't get to get 50% of yourself and the person gets to get 50% of themselves and that makes 100? No, no, no. You're supposed to give 100% of yourself and that person gives 100% of themselves and then the marriage is complete. I thought I could get away with just giving 50%, but my 50% wasn't enough. And then I started to realize that Jesus spoke about rewards in the Bible. You know, for some reason, we think we're going to get rewarded for doing things that we want to do. That's not how a reward system works. You don't get rewarded for doing what you want to do. You get rewarded for doing the things you don't want to do. And I realized in our marriage that, you know what? Even if my wife don't appreciate what I'm doing, God does. And every time I do something I don't want to do, God is pleased. God is okay. God is going to reward me. So when I'm cooking dinner for my wife and she may be getting on my nerve and I still cook that dinner and it's going to be good and I share it out on the plate and I give it to her and I say, I made that for you. And even as you say, I don't want your nasty food. That's how y'all do it here, huh? <laughs> That's you talking too much. Wait, I see y'all up there meeting your team. You guys are awesome. In the word, Jesus says, you do something difficult for yourself. Pray for your enemy. Now, gentlemen, your wife is not your enemy. Your husband is not your enemy. You would not marry your enemy, believe me. It took me a while. I had to go to counseling to recognize that. I had to go to counseling to, to, to why I said, Do you really think your wife is your enemy? And he's like, No. I said, So why do you treat her like she is? Because the disciples were listening to the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostles were discipling back then. And now the apostles is teaching the others. The word of God is being brought to the forefront. I found out in 2020, man, the church was so divided. And I'm like, wow, we are missing it. I believe we missed it when there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the early 1900s. And when it happened in 2020, I said, the church is missing it again. We are picking a side to who we're going to defend. And Jesus is saying, why don't you just stay on my side? Keep the kingdom first. It's not about Republican or Democrat. It's about the kingdom because that's the only thing that's going to be eternal. And I said, we had the opportunity to be the light that the world needed to see. But we were so caught up in our own opinions. But what we see in the early church, you know what it said? That if they had all things in common, 
You know how hard that is to get all things in common? That's a miracle. That's a miracle to get everybody in this place to be in the same place. Churches are dividing and, and splitting because one person spells hallelujah one way and another way, oh, we can't, we can't worship God together because we don't agree on the spelling. But in the scripture, it said that they had all things in common. Oh, and then it said that if anybody had a need, if anybody had a need, they put the, their money at the feet of the disciples so that people's needs would be met. I don't know about you, but I believe that's a heart transplant. That the word of God was changing folks' hearts. That they would, because we are selfish by nature. But you don't know me. I know the human nature. And the human nature is selfish. And if you say I'm wrong, then read the Bible, because the Bible says that our heart is wicked and deceitful. Who knows? Our hearts is hard. But these people had a heart transplant that they were giving people the things that they need. It was changing their behavior. The truth of God's word, they learned and they began to apply the truth. You're seeing them apply the truth. These are people who surrender to God that this discipleship thing works. As a disciple, the truth of God's word must be applied in every area of our lives. It's not just in church, but it has to be in our homes. It has to be in our neighborhoods. It has to be in your workplace. It has to be around your friends. It has to be when you're in a restaurant. It has to be in every aspect of your life that the discipleship, the Word of God, has to be applied to your, to your life. You don't have to be a biblical scholar to be a disciple. You don't have to understand the Word of God to be a disciple. You know why the Word of God in this book, the church, Numbers was added daily because those who were being discipled didn't wait for the, themselves to get a biblical degree. They didn't, they didn't try to figure out all the things that they had to do. All they did, I was the greatest disciple, not discipler, the greatest evangelist. I knew nothing about the Bible when I got saved. I was bringing my friends who I used to go to the strip clubs with, gay, um, those who were selling drugs. Hey, come to, I don't know if it was something in my eyes that they saw that I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And I was able to persuade these guys, come to church with me so you can meet the God that has changed my life. And these guys was coming to church with me with their hats on and their pants sagging. And, and then, but can I tell you what happened? fire that was inside of me when I first got saved. Got blown out. And that excitement of going, I started going to church and I thought I, I needed to know all the books of the Bible. So I can't go out and tell nobody anything about Jesus because I don't know all the books of the Bible. I got to know the name of all the apostles. So I, I, I don't have enough knowledge of this Bible so I can't go out and and share it with people. I don't have a degree. I'm not a biblical. Who am I to teach anybody anything? Let me just continue to bring them to the church. 
that's not how the church is being led. It was supposed to be disciple the twelve. Live this life out. 24-7. And it was something about their life that was so attractive. So attractive that the people in the world said, I want what you got. I want what you got. All I got is some words that some people's telling me. And this word is changing my life. It's changing my life. I want that. And people was walking with these guys off the streets and the church was growing daily. God wants us to be disciples. People don't just need to know, are you a Christian because of the bumper sticker on your car? People need to know, are you a Christian because of the life that you live 24 Discipleship is a lifestyle, and Jesus spoke about discipleship and discipleship. It wasn't meant to be a lifestyle. What pastor is doing, I don't believe. He's doing it so this could be another program or event. Because if 2020 showed me anything, our programs didn't work. People read books. Dana Blyman refused to update out of the books. Small book. Mark Madison is one of my favorite authors. And the book. Discipleship cannot be a lifestyle. It has to be a lifestyle. The journey I believe the Lord wants us to keep on. Listen, Jesus lived with these men, 12 men, for three years. I don't think anybody will argue with me that Jesus was the greatest teacher in the world. He did everything, signs, wonders, man. He was crucified and came back from the grave. He was the greatest teacher in the world. But he had to spend 24-7 with these disciples. Do you get what I'm saying to you? Three years. This was no program. This was no six weeks. We read a book. This was a lifestyle that he spent three years with these men. The discipleship process takes time. It's a journey. And as a disciple, we what? But as a 24-7 disciple, we have to also be willing to teach. I believe the church has become stagnated, and the church hasn't really grown. No matter how big your church is, most churches haven't really grown from new converts. It's usually church plants. I know that as a church planter. God wants us to go out and to reach new people, to share this gospel, to live with them. It's a process. Time. And you know what? Time is something we don't have to do. Jesus spent three years. Imagine spending three years with some folks. But he took time, and discipleship is taking time. We've got to share the things that we're learning with others so that others can be saved as well. There's been people in my life who are selling the gospel. I got a brother named Sam. Yonkers, New York. This man, so remember, I went to church Wednesdays. I went Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday. 
And then I had Brother Sam. And I was so hungry for the word of God, Brother Sam would invite me to his house. He would cook dinner for my wife and I, and we would sit down, and we would go through that word, and I would argue with Sam and tell Sam, I'm not going to let nobody smack me in my face, and I'm not turning the other cheek so they can slap the other side. I'm not doing that. He said, but Charles is in the Bible. I don't care. But Sam continued to disciple me and began to teach me, Charles, the word of God is the only thing that really matters. Discipleship got to be outside the walls of the church. Making disciples can't just be here. It's got to be outside the walls of the church as well. You have to be a disciple in your home. Disciple your children. The things that I know now, I wish I knew when I was young. My boys are 18, 20 years old. You know how hard it is to disciple an 18 to 20-year-old? The things I know now that I wish I poured into my boys when they were younger. But we need to disciple our children right now. And we need to do two things for ourselves. Here's the word of God. Come on, guys. I need you to make a sound for me. See, it don't mean I'm done. I'm just, I'm just trying to give you some hope. You bring the worship team up, everybody think they have hope. Ain't no hope. I got another sermon after this. <laughs> but as a disciple, we have to truly reproduce ourselves. And I just want to give you some steps. I, 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 Pastor just told me he's doing a, a series on 24 7. He ain't giving me no more details. So I'm just going to give you what I feel the Lord has given me to give to you about this discipleship process, disciple making, being a disciple. I just want to give you some, some steps. Who been here has been saved over 20 years? You've been saved over 20 years. Who's been saved over 15 years? Or 50 years? 10 years? Five years? One year? One day? This discipleship thing is not that complicated. To go out and to get someone to disciple them. As a disciple, we need to pray. Pray first, right? Pray, ask the Lord to help. You don't have to be perfect to be a disciple or a disciple maker. But we should pray. And I would say pray and begin to ask God. To put somebody on your heart who you feel that you could sow into, who you could pour this word into. You don't, remember I said, you don't have to know everything in the Bible. You don't have to be super biblically knowledgeable about everything. All you need to do is make yourself available. So once you pray and you get that person in your head, don't act like, I don't know how to say this without sounding terrible, but don't think something like supernatural is going to happen that you pray for the person and God is just going to bring them to your house because that's not how it works. Like, like it don't work that way. I pray for somebody. God is just going to put them in my kitchen in the morning. That ain't real. That's not real. I mean, it may be real for some people, but it, it ain't real for most people. It wasn't even real for Jesus because you know what Jesus did when he went to go make disciples? He actually went to them and said, are you willing to follow me? Come and follow me. So 
once you pray, don't make the devil come and scare you away and say, nobody's going to follow you. You're not smart enough. No, go to that person and invite them on this journey with you. And then the third thing you could do is meet with this person. Just get into the Word. Spend time in prayer with the person on intentional. It's not going to happen by accident. Hey, let's meet. I meet with two guys every Wednesday at 7 o'clock in the morning. Every Wednesday. I'm not telling you I have to do that. That works for our schedule. It works for me because I'm at the gym at 5.30 in the morning. So meeting with them at 7, I'm like, that works. But meet with somebody intentionally. Sorry, Pastor Stan, you're probably like, yo, you're going ahead of my message. The fourth thing, share with them your desire for them to do the same thing that you're doing with them. It's not about information, it's about transformation. We don't need to give people in the church any more information. We have enough. What we need is transformation. And then the fifth thing, you're not over. Life, discipleship is a lifestyle. Don't just get up and say, I did my part, I'm done. No, go look for another person. Go find another person and disciple them. And when you want to talk about multiplication, you just multiply yourself. Go out and continue to do this. Make this a lifestyle. Yes, you can take a break. You can go on vacation. But don't stop making disciples. Amen? Can I pray for you this morning? Father, I want to thank you for Lamont Calvary's church, Lord God. Lord, this church has always been a strong church with a, with a mission, Lord God, for the gospel to reach the world, Lord Jesus. But Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that Lamont Church would be a church that would reach their neighbors, Lord God. That they would reach their community with the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus. That they would walk as disciples 24-7, Lord God. That they would walk with you every day, Lord God. That they would apply your words, Lord God. That they would learn from you, Lord God. Learn from those who you have put in their paths, Lord Jesus. That they would apply this truth and that they would go forth and make disciples and teach those to obey you. Father, if there's someone in this room today who do not know you, who's not a disciple, who's not a follower of you, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would capture their hearts. Lord God, that you would speak to them right now, Lord God, regardless of their past experience, regardless of their present experience, that you want to have a relationship with them right now. Right now. So Jesus, I pray that they would know how much they you love them. That you gave your life for them by dying on that cross. Lord, I pray that they would surrender their life to you, Lord Jesus. And I pray that someone from this church would reach out and disciple that new neighbor. Disciple that new convert. That they would do wonderful things for you. I thank you, Lord God, and I praise you for all that you're going to do in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. God bless you.